I want to take a small piece of the teaching that Jesus gives in John chapter 14 and and try to construct a a word through it. And and hopefully this this word will not only touch your hearts, uh, but this word will encourage you in life. John chapter 14, uh, beginning in verse 15 and reading through verse 18. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 15. Reading out of the New International Version of God's Holy Word, please follow in whatever version of God's Word that you have on hand. What I want to do is I want to read God's Word, then ask God for strength in preaching through prayer, and then we'll be seated as hopefully God speaks through his preacher to his people. John chapter 14. Jesus says this, If you love me, Keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. It's verse 16 that I want to construct a sermon out of this morning. And it reads this way. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me this morning? Uh, Father, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross and give your people ears to listen so that Satan's schemes to distract us from experiencing your word this morning will not prosper. And Father, uh, because we know every time we open your word, we encounter you through your word. We pray for your glorification. We ask that you And you alone would be exalted as your word is explained. And we pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus. And all who are God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our Lord. They say confession is good for the soul. But at times, confession can also be bad for the reputation. I was born on a Caribbean island known for its beautiful beaches. And I grew up in a city in Florida that claims to have some of the most beautiful beaches in all of the United States. Yet in spite of the fact, I spent a large portion of my life being almost completely surrounded by water, I cannot swim. (laughs) Yes, I know some of you are shocked and amazed at this revelation. Another black man (laughs) who can't swim. I didn't want to be a, a walking, breathing, living stereotype for the rest of my life, so At the age of 37, I decided to learn to swim. 
was in Harlem, 145th Street, Riverbank State Park. And my first day of beginner's swim classes, it was me and a bunch of five, six, and seven-year-olds. Right away, I, I knew that my experiences in that class would not be comfortable because the, the instructor, while he could find life vests that could fit on these small children, he couldn't find a life vest that was big enough to fit me. And all of those kids laughed at me as I tried to learn how to swim. They had a, an advantage over me right away because they, they hadn't grown old enough to develop a healthy fear of the water. If there's one thing that older people who are trying to learn how to swim, what, what holds them back is that they're afraid of the water. But, but I had one advantage over them. I was so tall, I could literally stand in a large section of the pool. But what I thought was an advantage, actually, according to my instructor, turned out to be a disadvantage. Because in order for you to learn how to swim, you have to go out into the deep parts of the water. I had to go into the parts of the pool where I couldn't stand in. Now, I'm no fool. I was not going to go into that deep part without a life vest. But even the, that, the instructor said, prevented me from learning how to swim. He said, I, I needed to go out into the deep parts of the pool without a life vest so I can see if my stroke was really working. After weeks of trying to, to convince me, I finally agreed if I could hold on to him throughout that time. We went out into the deep part of the pool. I was holding him as if my life depended on it. But, but then something happened. I mistakenly swallowed some of that nasty pool water and, and I lost for a minute where, where I was at and I let him go and I started to sink in that pool for, for a brief moment. My entire life flashed before my eyes. But though I had let go of him, he had never let go of me. And he pulled me up and swam me to safety. And he was with me, near me, throughout my whole ordeal, helping me to navigate through the deep parts of the pool. And Jesus says, what the instructor was for me that day is what the Holy Spirit is for us in life. There are parts of life 
that are truly too deep for us to swim in. We'd sink to the bottom if we didn't have help. And here's the good news that the text provides for us this morning, that there is help for us in the form of the Spirit who stays with us, helping us to navigate through the deep parts of life. John chapter 13 through 16 is a section of the Gospel of John known as the Farewell Discourse. It is here that Jesus will announce to a group of men that had been with him throughout his three-year ministry that he was leaving them. Jesus came from glory, so he had to return to glory. This announcement is received both with misunderstanding and with trepidation. The trepidation is understandable. Given everything that Jesus had meant to his disciples over the span of the past few years, Jesus had grown to become more than just a rabbi and a teacher to the disciples. He had become their closest friend, someone on whom the disciples had become emotionally dependent on because Jesus seemed to have the answers to all of life's difficult questions. In, terms of, in times of turmoil, Jesus's presence gave the disciples the assurance that God's power was with them. In times of uncertainty and doubt, Jesus's presence gave his disciples the clarity that they so desperately needed. In times of fear, Jesus's presence helped the disciples face fear with absolute confidence. Jesus's physical presence meant everything to the disciples. My wife and I have recently moved into a new house and, and for whatever reason, my wife decided to get a new dog, a rather large puppy. Yet despite the size of this large puppy, he's the scariest puppy that I've ever seen in, in my life. He's a modern version of Scooby-Doo. Every noise scares him, especially when it rains and, and thunders outside. When it starts to rain and thunder, he's whimpering all over the house. So, so to try to ease his fears, I'll, I'll call him to me and I'll start rubbing on him. But, but that doesn't help. But when my wife's in the house, and it rains and thunders like it has over the course of the last few weeks, if he just sits at her feet, he feels better about everything that's going on. Just, just sitting at her feet has a way of calming his fears. And, and this is what it must have been like for the disciples with Jesus. Just being with Jesus had a way of calming their fears. Now Jesus tells them he will no longer physically be with them. And though Jesus will be gone, the amount of trouble that the disciples will experience will not be. In, in fact, Jesus predicts a time 
where their trouble will only increase. Jesus announces in chapter 16 that though he will be gone in this world, they will continue to have trouble. Given what lies ahead for the disciples, given the difficulties of life that await the disciples, how can Jesus choose this time to leave them? It's almost as if Jesus has chosen the worst possible time imaginable to abandon his disciples. But what initially seems like abandonment, it was only part of an eternal and divine plan, a plan not just to help the group of disciples that were with Jesus, a plan to help every group of disciples since that original group. Jesus, according to him, though he will be leaving the disciples, this departure is beneficial to them. Verse 16 introduces the topic of the Holy Spirit in Jesus's farewell discourse, a topic that will dominate the focus of Jesus's teaching from this point on. Verse 16 is the first of five monologues on the Holy Spirit found throughout the farewell discourse. And behind this introduction of the Holy Spirit is Jesus's understanding that to navigate through this world, whether it's the group of disciples that he's speaking to in our text or the group of disciples that exist 2,000 years later, we need help. Jesus says he'll give us another advocate to help us because he understands that in life, the people of God can't make it without him. Just think of, of the disciples and how they fared without Jesus in the Gospels. The disciples were a group of, of seasoned sailors. They were professional sailors, but, but remember what happened when they tried to sail through a storm without Jesus? They couldn't manage because they needed help. Remember after the transfiguration, Jesus meets the disciples and they're trying to cast out a demon, but they are unable to cast out a demon because they need help. Remember when, when Jesus was being crucified? And remember how all the disciples abandoned Jesus and ran away with fear? That happened because they need help. And, and, and remember after his resurrection, when they were trying to catch fish and they couldn't catch fish. And it's not until Jesus showed up that they were able to catch fish. All these stories are indicators of how much help the disciples need. And if I looked into your life and if I knew your story, there are aspects of your life and there are parts of your story that show that you can't make it without Jesus. There are times where you've fallen flat on your face and weren't able to pick yourself up. There were times when you failed. There were times when you just didn't know what to do. All those are indicators that both in the disciples' life and in our life, we can't navigate through life 
without Jesus. The followers of Jesus can't live life without the help of Jesus. So to prevent them from, from failing in life, Jesus says that he will ask his father and his father will give to them and to us another advocate. And depending on what translation you're reading, the translation may say uh, another helper, another counselor. Don't, don't, don't focus on the advocate or counselor part. Focus on another. By the use of the word another, Jesus believes that the Holy Spirit is a substitute for himself. Here's what the word another means to us this morning. All that Jesus was to the disciples, the Holy Spirit now becomes to us. You, you just missed your shouting point right there. All that Jesus was to the disciples, the Holy Spirit is to us. Jesus was a teacher. The Holy Spirit becomes our teacher, teaching us the, the word of God. Jesus was a healer during his earthly ministry. The Holy Spirit, by giving us access to the power of God, is a healer today. Jesus consoled and encouraged during his earthly ministry. The Holy Spirit, by speaking to the heart of God's people, continues to offer consolation and encouragement today. There is almost nothing that the physical presence of Jesus gave to his disciples that we do not have access to through the indwelling of the Spirit. I'll, I want to say that again, just in case you missed it. There is almost nothing that the physical presence of Jesus gave to his disciples that we do not have access to today through the indwelling presence of the Spirit. Verse 16 offers us this strange paradox. Jesus is gone, but he is still with us. And we abide in Jesus by having the Holy Spirit abide in us. There are two aspects of the Holy Spirit's ministry that I want to focus on. First, the Holy Spirit helps us to live the difficult life that Jesus commands. It's no coincidence that verse 16 is preceded by verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. We all would say that we love Jesus, but yet we have difficulty keeping Jesus's command. And the one command that Jesus will stress throughout the farewell discourse is the command to love one another. And I don't know about you, but the hardest thing for me to do is to love God's people. Now, now I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about the, 
the folks at my other church. I can't stand them. <laughs> Some poet once wrote this in it, and I wholeheartedly agree. To live with the saints in glory, that's great. But to live with the saints below, that's another story. <laughs> Loving God's people is some of the hardest things for God's people to do. Consider what God's people do. It is God's people who are lying on each other. It is God's people who are gossiping on each other. It is God's people who are backstabbing each other. Paul wrote 13 letters addressing churches where God's people could not get along. And if Paul lived today, Paul would write another 2 million letters <laughs> to God's people because we cannot get along. That it is a struggle for the followers of Jesus to love other followers of Jesus. How do we learn to love one another as Jesus commanded? What enables us to love one another is the abiding power of the Holy Spirit that grants me the heart to love you. So that even when you do lie on me, even when you do talk about me, even when you do gossip on me, because the Holy Spirit lives in me, it is still possible for me to love you. The more access we give to the Holy Spirit, the more possible it becomes for God's people to love one another. Last year, I read the story of two different churches after a senseless shooting happened in their community. One church decided to have a Black Lives Matter rally. Another church in that same area, when they heard about what the first church was doing, decided to protest the protest and have an All Lives Matter rally. And during these two separate rallies, the churches started yelling at each other and because they lived in an open carry state, the two churches started brandishing their firearms at each other. But something happened in the middle of the screams. Something happened in the middle of the shouts. One person from one of the other churches walked over to the other group and hugged the one person. And then another person from that group walked over to the other group and started to hug each other. And then they just decided to have one combined protest where they were hugging and loving on each other. That doesn't happen unless the power of the Holy Spirit is working in both groups, teaching them how to love. And you can't live the life 
that God wants you to live. You can't love right. You can't pray right. You can't talk right. And you for sure can't act right unless the Holy Spirit is living in you. The Holy Spirit helps us with the difficult life that Jesus commands. And the Holy Spirit helps us with the difficulties of life. Jesus, in verse 18, says this. I will not leave you as orphans. Orphans are children who are bereft of parents. And both in the ancient world and in the modern one, there is no greater picture of a group who struggles with the hardships of life than orphans. The song, Hard Not Life, and I'm not talking about the Jay-Z one, I'm talking about the one from Annie, <laughs> helps us understand how difficult life can be for orphans. It's a hard knock life for us. It's a hard knock life for us. Instead of treated, we get tricked. Instead of kicks, we get kicked. Empty belly, rotten smelly life, full of sorrow life, no tomorrow life. That is the brutality of life that many orphans face. And Jesus says, if he left you without the abiding witness of the Holy Spirit, you would be an orphan, meaning life would be difficult for you. Your life would be characterized by solidarity and isolation. And Jesus says without the presence of the Holy Spirit, you would be all alone by yourself. I can't help but, but think Jesus in verse 18 is also making a commentary on the dependability of people. Jesus says, I, I won't leave you as orphans because Jesus knows that the people we often trust to stay with us during difficult times, when those difficult times really get too difficult, they'll abandon us. That people cannot always be counted on to stick with us during hard times. People can't always be counted on to be with us through all of life's difficulties. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. The good news is that, that though your life be difficult, though your struggles be real, though you face emotional turmoil, though your financial situation may be hectic, <laughs> though life may be difficult, people will abandon you. But God, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, never will. God will always be with you through all the difficulties of life because God is always present with you through the power 
of the Holy Spirit. Though you may not see him, when life gets difficult, you feel him. Though you may not see him, when life gets difficult, you'll feel him. John Claypool tells this story. When a young man was 15 years old, his mother passed away. The death of his mother caused him to, to struggle sleeping. For weeks on end, he could not go to bed because his mind was constantly on how much his mother meant for him. And due to his struggle sleeping, he started suffering in school. And because his, his father knew that school was important to the young man, he started suggesting different things to help the young man sleep. He suggested to his son that try sleeping with the lights on, but that didn't work. So his father found his son's childhood teddy bear and suggested that maybe you should sleep with, with this, but that didn't work either. So as a last ditch effort to help his son sleep at night, the father decided to get in bed with the son. But the son only agreed to it if his father would keep the lights on. And when his father got in bed with him, he slept for the very first time in what seemed like months. And, and this pattern continued for weeks until his father asked his son, can, can, can I turn off the lights now, but I'll still be in bed with you? And his son agreed. And that night, when the lights went off, the son could no longer see his father, but he could feel his presence and he knew his father was still there. And that's the assurance that Jesus gives us in the darkest moments of our lives. Even though we can't see the presence of God through the Holy Spirit, we feel the presence of God. And we know that he is still there with us. Aren't you glad this morning that even when people let you down, you don't have to face life alone. God is still and will always be with you.